Hello and welcome to another episode of the Kingdom Conversations Podcast Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we appreciate you so much And on this episode, we have a treat for you We're interviewing our brother in the Messiah, Demetrius Halliburton um, And he's a man that is really leading his life uh, to please Elohim um, He's into finances and financial management um, And he's a full-time entrepreneur so his life and his perspective on life is truly truly interesting to hear and is a testimony to many uh who are willing to hear so we hope you enjoy this episode it is so much information in it and shalom hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the kingdom conversations podcast wherever you're listening how you're listening we appreciate you so much for joining us once again um, and today will be a very special episode. We have a guest here with us. Um, as usual, we have uh, our co-host, Derek Anderson Jr. How are you doing today, Derek? I mean, I'm good as always. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic. Great to be back doing another episode. <laughs> always. And uh, on this episode, we have our guest. Um, he's one of our brothers from our ministry that we go to, um, Demetrius Halliburton. How are you doing today, Demetrius? Doing great, brother. <laughs> I'm glad I got the last name right. I'd never pronounced it before. <laughs> Sometimes I mess it up, too. <laughs> <laughs> but, yep, we just have, uh, you know, some questions here for you and things like that to, you know, just get your perspective on, you know, the kingdom life lifestyle you know your background you're coming into the kingdom uh life the way you see it now and things of that nature so that's what we try to do just to get you know kingdom lifestyle get some kingdom talk out here because you know there's so much other religious talk and you know all kinds of talk this world has so it's about time that we got some kingdom talk out here so that's what we wanted to do i agree all right so did you want to kick it off there Oh, yeah, man. I wanted to give some information that I know about uh, my brother Demetrius because he's actually one reason that I'm at Empowerment of Faith. Um, I was at when I first got born again and got called to be a minister. Um, I was ready to go out and start my own ministry. I didn't understand order. I didn't understand discipleship. I just knew that I was called and that religion wasn't working for me because I saw something differently. Like I was reading scripture for myself and I'm like, what they teaching is not according to what I'm reading. And I remember praying and uh, the father told, I heard, you know, when you hear my voice, heart, not your heart. And at that same moment, I got a text message from my brother, Demetrius. And he was saying that I need to be under somebody that I need to be taught. And he was 100 percent correct. And I, uh, after that, we joined, you know, Empowerment of Faith. And if you all don't know, Demetrius is from Memphis, Tennessee. He's a minister, a young full-time entrepreneur, a veteran, a husband, father, and is um, not only an inspiration to me, but also a great friend. And one question that I have for my brother Demetrius is, uh, we know that you grew up in Memphis, and we don't know how much of your um, background information you want to share, but what was it like growing up, and how were your living conditions? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I really appreciate that. Uh, your words of encouragement. And uh, yeah, just for me, uh, growing up, I grew up in Memphis my whole life. Uh, my living conditions, uh, 
one of those regular schmegler guys, you know, just growing up in the in a in a regular neighborhood. Um but the environment, uh it was a little hostile. Um I was in a gang infested in, environment. So it was um it was a lot, you know, de- dealing with peer pressures of the high school and, and peer pressures of people uh wanting you to join gangs and the, all these different organizations. And so for me, um, you know, I guess having the Holy Spirit, having uh, that light at the end of the tunnel, even though when it seems, it seems like in, in many moments, it seems for me that, you know, it, how can I get out of this environment? You know, I'm, I'm surrounded around this, this hostile environment and uh, people, you know, who think that I'm just going to become another statistic. And so I was wondering, how can I get out of here? How can I get out of here? And I I remember um, being in my my closet in my bedroom and just really just asking the father, like, why am I in this situation? Why am I growing up in this type of environment? Why don't don't I have a father? Because a lot of people don't know that, but I lost my father uh, when I was eight years old. And so my mom, of course, dated again. But the the father that was there was not a... uh, uh, a godly father figure to to follow. Uh, matter of fact, my my uh, stepfather when he passed uh, uh, a couple years after I got out of the military, and I believe that was uh, 2013. So he passed as well. And so um, for me, just that environment. I mean, I kind of came numb to you know just father figures around because I never really had one there, so I didn't know how to identify one. And so for me, just growing up in that 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 environment, you know, it was just it was life changing because I I think the most important thing that I got from it was the street knowledge, <laughs> the street knowledge of uh, just being aware, being aware of your surroundings, and uh, you know, that's just a little bit about me. I heard you say that um, at that point you were asking the father, you know, why is it that you know you were in these conditions and things like that. Um, would you say you are always a person throughout your life who, you know, tried his best to stay, uh, in connection with Elohim, speaking to him, praying and things like that? Were you heavily involved in, uh, church back in your younger days? Um, I would say yes and no at the same time. Uh, I would say I was around the environment of, of, of church and everything because my mom, you know, my mom and her sisters, they uh they sung and they sung across across the states, you know. And so with that, I was exposed to a lot of church. And I and I was at a regular ministry as well. I ended up getting connected to a ministry. Um I always had that um that drive for the word, but of course when you're growing up in religion and the way things are done in religion, um, you know, you have questions that you want, you need answers to. However, the teaching that you're under, if if it's full of religion, then you're never going to get those answers that you're looking for. So I had a picture of who Elohim was. And at the time, it was God before we came into the knowledge. But um, I've always had an inkling of the word, not as deeply as I know now, but I always, you know, I I did try to pray what little knowledge I did have about prayer. uh, I did try to pray. And uh, yeah. So I had a little bit of knowledge of of uh, church, but of course, religion, religion to drown it out. You know, the the little word that you get from all that you're trying to pick that little bit of word out of their religion that you you know surrounded by.
Oh, that's very true. Um, that's one thing that I noticed. Uh, another thing about religion is, um, you know, they don't teach you to. Well, the biggest thing is not to ask questions. Um, you really just accept it. We talked about it recently, uh, me and you, Demetrius. How whatever the pastor say, that's that's what goes, and you don't, you know, you don't question the pastor and things like that. Um, but you know, the shepherd we have now, he actually tells us to check what he says, and I've actually done it. And every time I've checked, I'm like, this man is right. <laughs> Um, but no, yeah. that's really good, man. Um, you have uh, any other questions, Trail? Um, yeah, I have another one. Um, when did you first realize, um, you know, I know you as a person who's really in the finances. Um, so when did you finally first realize that you had an interest in finance? That's a, that's a good question. Um, my wife asked me this a couple months ago. Um, for me, and I had to really, really think about it. Um, I would say the influence of my aunt, my aunt uh, Vicky. Uh, she was my dad's sister. She always, well, she grew up in finance too. She has a degree and a background in finance and business. <clears throat> and at the time, she uh, she would always impart knowledge in us about things about like saving and how to put money away and how to, uh, a little bit of investing. She, she, she was the one that taught me about credit. Um, a lot of those things that because of the environment that I grew up in and that, that financial literacy not being taught in that environment, I had to, I had to find someone to guide me in the direction that I wanted to go, but it was always my, aunt, my aunt. And so I, I thank her to this day and I speak to her, uh, heavily, you know, very frequently. And I just tell her how much I appreciate her because she, she was the person that taught me and, and, and sparked my interest in finance. <clears throat> and so I still talk to her to this day with now with the kingdom concept on finance, because it, it's a, it's still different from the worst perspective and system of finance. And, uh, you know, she just always she's able, now she's able to listen to what I'm saying now, because I, I for so many years I was just listening to what she was saying. But now we get to have a conversation about finance and how to how to properly do it inside of the kingdom. So my aunt was the person that that uh, influenced me and just and also just seeing the daily routines of people that were in my neighborhood where I grew up. Um, this, and I was part of that. So I, I worked two jobs when I was able to. Uh, I think it was six, 16 or 17. I told my mom because we we barely made it. You know, the lights were cut off more than they were on for the year. And so I told her, I said, Mom, when I, when I can, I'm going to work so I can help you around the house. And so as soon as I was uh, 16, <laughs> I, I never forget, uh, I went to my closet. My closet was my area. My closet was my, my prayer room. When I when I prayed, my closet was my business office when I felt like I was a businessman. And uh, so I went in my closet and I grabbed a phone book. And I started um, calling around. And long before that, I ended up getting a job and ended up working two jobs. <laughs> but with that. Um, but with that, it taught me. A little bit about it. Uh, finance, but I still had that mindset I had to overcome. So when I got paid every other week, I would already be trying to find what 
what sh- uh, shoes I'm gonna buy, what outfit I'm gonna buy for the weekend. And at the time, if it, I know you guys know if anybody you know wears Jordans, it was this uh, website called Twenty Three Is Back. And uh, Twenty Three and Back and Twenty Three and Back, it basically gave you uh, the shoes for the whole year. So when they came out, I was on and there so, every day. <laughs> we were too. So I have no idea what y'all was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like in January. It yep. was in January and the shoes <laughs> come out December. I already know. I'm, I'm getting old. And mm-hmm. so that was my mentality. And because that's what I grew up in. And uh, I'll never forget um when I I got paid one time, I said, you know what? I'm not gonna buy the shoes for this whole month. And at that time I was working two jobs and I worked a lot. Um I was rarely home. I would take clothes for the week. My mom would probably see me maybe once or twice a week. And that's just to come home to get a real shower. Cause I would uh wash up in in the bathroom at a at a gas station or something and go straight back to work. <clears throat> but with that, I said I was gonna I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna try to save something up this time. And so this particular time I saved a couple of paychecks and before another couple of weeks I had a thousand dollars saved. And I held on to that thousand dollars. I said, I wonder how long I can keep it. And so, the, you know, of course, the temptations came. The new shoes came out, and everything. But it was that point, and also that point there, and also when I got my first credit card. So my auntie was she's always talking to me about credit at the same time because I told her I got some money saved up. I want to do some other things, and she said, Well, you can invest into a uh, secure credit card. And so she told me what a secure credit card was and the purpose of it. And of course, being the young person I am, and I'm sure you guys have young listeners, people telling you about finance, of course it went in one ear and went out the other. And um, so I ended up getting a credit card. My first credit card was Walmart, a Walmart card. And I think I got $800 or whatnot. Uh, but when I saw, I, I, I ran that credit card up in the first couple, <laughs> couple of weeks. <laughs> I ran that credit card up. I bought new tires for my car, bought some things for the house, and just not having that that financial literacy that I needed and, you know, working those principles, um, I ended up running that credit card up. And so what really got me was the compound interest when I got my statement in the mail. And I actually, because a lot of people, when they get a statement in the mail, they don't really read it. But I said, I'm going to see what, see what, how much I need to pay back. And so the minimum, minimum payment was like $25. And so uh, with that, I said, okay, if I pay $25 a month, I'm good. You know, I can just pay it off. But when I looked at the compound interest on it, I was like, oh, wow. So on an $800 limit, credit limit, if I paid it off for $25, it was going to take me seven, eight years, and I was going to pay back over $2,500. And so at that point, I was like, I don't know what kind of system this is. But I wonder, can I find out if that system can work for the good? And so that, um, plus my aunt teaching me about finance and, the, and getting that foundation together, uh, sparked my interest in finance. And from there, that point on, I just was so intrigued about finance and business. And here I am today. That's a heck of a story, man. And I... I... I know, you know, I, I learned that hard lesson, too, about credit cards of just, you know, thinking like, oh, OK, whatever I spent on it, it's going to stay on there and I'll just pay the minimum. But 
you know, I think my eight, uh, my interest rate on it was like 27% or something like that. And I had no idea what it was. And after a while, you just realize like, oh man, I'm like on these people thousands and I had no idea, but you know, nobody ever taught me. So, you know, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. So man, it, that's a, it's a great story. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I think that's the biggest thing no one was ever taught to financial literacy. We went to school and the only thing they told us to do was to uh, go to school, get good grades. When you graduate, go to uh, college. And in between that, they didn't tell you how you're going to pay for college. They just told you to go to college. And so this is where the trick of the student loan uh, epidemic comes in at. And then with that, you know, after you go to school and you come out with $100,000 of loans, student loans, and then you got a good paying job, quote unquote, and they paying you $60,000 a year, you still got to pay back the 100000 plus interest. And so it already starts us on what they call the rat race. And so that's why people nowadays, we can't, I think I was reading some statistics the other day, and I think they told, said that the, uh, I think 80 to 85% of America lives paycheck to paycheck. And so that's, that's an issue, you know, so... Yeah. You just had to bring up student loans, didn't you? Yes, sir. Because <laughs> I actually became a victim of student loans. Everything you just said about, you know, uh, teaching of going to school, getting a good job, um, and then, you know, having a student loan, I mean, that was me because that's all I was taught. Um, and nobody ever did teach me about finances. Um, and it, it put me in a position, you know, that I am today, which I'm working to get out of with. Uh, the knowledge that I have now, but I mean, you just explain what happened, you know, I, I'm, a, like I say, a victim of that. And one thing about it is that when I got born again, I realized I'm like, you know, somebody should do something about this because, you know, before um, I was born, I was like, man, you know, this sucks. But I realized that we need to help other people see that this is an issue and, you know, find a way to help others so that they don't go through the same thing that I went through. And I know that's something that you talk about a lot, um, even with sharing some things on uh, social media. Uh, and I know some other stuff that you're working on that I, I'm not able to share yet. Um, but I know that you've talked about a financial literacy center before. Yes, I think that's, you know, when we talk about purpose, since, you know, this whole podcast is about kingdom conversation, talking about the kingdom. Um, when we connect to purpose, you know, it's, it's what's in us what, and it doesn't die. So we can use it or we can abuse it. And so for me, identifying what am I here to do was one of the hardest things. But when I when I actually found out what it was, which was in the finance uh, uh, area or market, I was then after I found that out, like I wanted to know how can I utilize that in advancing the kingdom? Because we know that, you know, the love of money is the root of all evils, as, as the scripture says. And so how can we utilize the financial principles, but through the kingdom concept? And so um, for me, that was my purpose. And so I continually study and study and study. And a lot of reasons why a lot of, a lot of my stuff is not out yet is because I have to make sure I filter it through the kingdom and make sure I'm not teaching worldly principles again 
and and making sure that as an ambassador, I still stick to the original purpose for me. And so with the finance, um, I know that it's a it's a area that a lot of people struggle in. Well, I have too, and I and so I felt that. And so just some things that I'll share that I don't really share, and, and I'm just going to share in this podcast, but is um, you know. It takes preparation to get where you're at. Because a lot of people say, well, how do you know all this? You know, what what did you do to to gain this knowledge? Or what did you do to come to this this point? And it's a lot of preparation because I'm sure you guys know and, and you guys have identified your guys' purpose, how the enemy are attacked in that particular area. And we can, we can, I can attest to it when we talk about our shepherd, Dr. Larry Smith and how he teaches on family and the enemy continually 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 tries to attack his family and so uh just some things and i'm just sharing so so i can give some motivation to someone else is that even in the finance department i had to go through a bankruptcy i'm on 25 years old i, I filed bankruptcy at 20. and, I, and, I, and the, the issues that i went through financially speaking with other people in the industry, like, man, you doing, you went through stuff people don't go through <laughs> in their 40s and 50s, you know, financially. And so those things not only sparked my interest in making sure that I learned from the experiences, but also sparked my interest on how can I teach somebody else or how can I stop somebody else from going down the same road? And so with the finance, that's, that's pretty much, you know, my mission, my goal for that that's amazing bankruptcy bankruptcy at 20 yeah that's that's definitely some people some people don't ever find bankruptcy in their lifetime you know so that's definitely definitely something that's really really intriguing and for to see that there were so many attacks in that area it could really kind of let you know that there was probably an area that you were called into to help other people in yeah for sure for sure yep um, and then the thing you talked about, like filing bankruptcy at twenty. I mean, I don't. When I see you, that's not even what I look at, because I'm like, man, I look at somebody. I mean, you're younger than uh, Octavian and me, and I'm just like, man, you've accomplished so much. You know, at your age, not saying that you're done. It's just, you know, um, I look at like, you know, Octavian and I are like part time entrepreneurs. You are full time. <laughs> um, and just being a husband, father now, like I know. <clears throat> that it's not easy, you know, doing it when you're young because we. I won't say that I, can, I won't say we're we're rare, but I'll say that um, in society today, being having a kingdom mindset and um, trying to have a family and a business and be a minister and you know um, other things that you have going on, you know, is is it can be difficult or it can be. Um, what should I say? It almost seems impossible, but we know nothing's impossible to him who believes. But when I see you, Demetrius, a lot of times, that's what I look at. I'm just like, man, like he's accomplished so much at a young age. And um, like you were saying, and that's one thing that the enemy tried to do, even though I'm looking at like what you came through. Um, <clears throat> because I know it's, you know, it's not easy. Um, and then the other thing is that saying all that um, that you're even doing now is another point I was going to bring up, which is uh, management. 
and you got to have great management skills to do everything you're doing. Oh, most definitely. And I'm, I'm, I'm definitely learning, continually to learn how important management is, especially for kingdom citizens, um, because that can hinder the increase that we are supposed to get. Um, well, I think of uh, the word um, as a, like an insurance policy. That's what I think of because because when you when you sign up for an insurance policy, um, the obligee, which is the person that's uh, selling the insurance, um, they have a agreement, and the agreement contractually is is that this person that's paying these premiums, if they do this, then I guarantee I do this, and just like the kingdom, the Father promises us through His His Word. My word will not return to me void. Whatever I said in my word, I'm going to do. And then we know the word is never going to pass away. And so it's important for us to learn that. And like you were saying, what you see now is a result of the things that I've been through and obstacles that I have went over up until this point now. And really, a lot of that could have been alleviated if I were to learn the kingdom concept earlier, I could be, I think about it sometimes, I could be so much further. I, I'm grateful for where I'm at and I, and I thank the Father for keeping me and protecting me and shielding me up until this point. Um, but how much more far, uh, further could I have been or farther or further I would have went if I would have learned these principles that, we've, that we're getting now. And so it's, it's a very important that and that we understand what the kingdom principles are, because that's just like what you said. You see, now it's a result of now the things that I've done and uh, the uh, principles that I've applied over time. And and the Father is going to honor each each and every time. So, you know, you know that DJ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. And I know that Octavian does too, because um, excuse me. <clears throat> One thing that he and I always talk about is just, um, you know, we talk about business and he'll ask me some questions. And a lot of times I'll refer him to you because I'm like, um, Demetrius knows. And like, I, you know, I've asked you questions before and you've actually helped me. Um, did you have anything else that you want to ask or add, Octavian? Um, yeah, I had a question, um, keeping it in the same vein of entrepreneurship, but. Um, what was, what's your story of, um, the events that transpired that actually pushed you into full-time entrepreneurship? That's a great question. Um, the events that pushed me into full-time entrepreneurship. Um, well, first off, I was, and DJ can attest to this one, but, uh, I was working this full-time, um, management position at this retail store. Um, and, and I was hated it. Yeah, I hated it. I hated it for sure. And I was a very mean person, as he can he could tell you, um, because I was just I knew I was supposed to be somewhere else and to have to get up every single day and go to a place that, you know, you don't fit in. You know, you don't belong, but you go there anyway because you're trying to trying to pay a bill or trying to trying to live, as they say, you know, the world of concept. And so. Um, I was already working in in the construction field, one of the businesses that I that I that I have, and um, 
I was in that and I learned the principles of, of business through that as well. But what really pushed me uh, wasn't what I thought was going to push me. Uh, but one day I came in to work and, um, you know, at this point, I was telling father, I guess I'm supposed to be here because I <laughs> I haven't found anywhere else to work or I can't because I've been trying to push to go to full time entrepreneurship for you know for years before then. I just couldn't find the right uh, time to go, as they say. But it's not really a timing. It's really about your ability and your maturity and your ability of uh, of management. And so I went in. This day, because I was telling the father, I said, I guess I'm supposed to be here. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go into this job and I'm going to give it 110 percent. You know, I'm just going to I'll work my way up if I need to or whatever. So I was settling. And so Holy Spirit, of course, did not agree with that because that wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. But of course, we know about the belief system. And I believe that this was a decision I needed to make. So I over overrode what the Holy Spirit was telling me because the Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. So he's not going to override our will. And so I went to work that day and uh, I got in and uh, I'd say about an hour or so later, I got a call to the office. <clears throat> and I said, what she want now? The, my manager, uh, she was, she was, uh, I thank her today. I can say that, but <laughs> she wasn't my favorite person then. And so uh, I went in and she told me to sit down. And we know if anybody ever got fired before, you know, when you go to the boss's office and they tell you to have a seat, you know, it's, it's something bad about to happen. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'm getting a raise in because I've been working pretty hard lately. So maybe, maybe I'm not getting fired. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, she sat, she sat me down with the assistant manager and she said, uh, I see you've been going to school and you've been kind of working you know, entrepreneurship part-time stuff. I really didn't let them know what exactly I was doing. But anyway, I see you going to school. You got doing ministry. Because at this time, I was jeopardizing some of the things that I was supposed to continue to do. That was like going to, to the appointed times where we fellowship, you know, scripture study and missing some Sundays of worship because I had to work. <laughs> and so basically... She gave me an ultimatum. She said, you either can stay here or you're going to have to cancel the other stuff that you got going. Um, and I said, you know, I can't do that. And she said, well, today going to have to be your last day. And I said, the inside of me, growing up in North Memphis, I was ready to flip the table. But uh, the kingdom citizen inside of me said, OK, it's more to come. And uh, the father's gonna take care of it. <clears throat> so that day I walked out, I walked out with my head held high. I took my my stuff out of my locker, off my desk and everything. And that day, at this particular time, my wife was running a summer camp. Because uh, my wife had, she was part-time entrepreneur. Uh, she did a summer camp every year. And so uh, I just drove there and I was just thinking and so many things were racing because at this particular time, no one knew, but me and my wife were trying to get a house. And uh, at the time, I said, well, my income was is, was very significant in us getting the house. <clears throat> and so I was like, we're in the middle of this process. And we we were looking to buy a house in April. And it was this was around uh, September. 
I think this, yeah, September, August or September when I got fired. And well, it had to be August. Um, and so I was like, man, this is really going to affect. See, we talked about finances. The enemy was trying to hit me there. And so I was like, man, you know, I'm not going to worry about it. I said, I'm going to keep going. You know, I got I got a skill set that I've been taught. And so I'm going to continue to go on with it. So at this point, now I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to work this to my wife that I just got fired. <laughs> so I had a long drive to the summer camp where she was at. And so when I got there and she was outside with the kids playing, I pulled up and she just looked at me and I looked at her and she just smiled. And she said, you're not supposed to be off right now. <clears throat> and I said, yeah, I know. And she said, you must got fired. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> I said, I sure did. And she said, don't worry about it. And you know, how are you feeling about it? I said, I'm, I just need a time to think about it. But um, I said, we're going to be okay. And uh, at that time, see, the enemy could have really got in there and said, okay, you know, you just lost your job. That's your stuff there. You can't get the house now. Now you have to go back to the apartment that you're at, you know, and how you going to take care of your family and things like that. <laughs> but that that day, and my wife sat down, we had a heart to heart. And at that day, that's when I came a full-time entrepreneur. Uh, I started my business the next the next day, I believe, the day after. So two days after that happened, I started my, my business. And so with that, <clears throat> we've had some difficulties in business because I, you know, coming from all of that, you know, from that job and having to transition because a lot of people don't people don't understand entrepreneurship in the whole. It takes it takes a lot and it does take discipline, as as Minister Derek said. Um, but we did get the house. So the father still provided. We end up getting a house uh, cheaper than our budget that we started at the, at the beginning but had way more room than what they, the budget that they gave us allowed us to have. And so the house was in foreclosure. And by me being in construction, uh, we were able to get a house for a really, really, really good price. And so that's where the, the father is always going to get the glory. And so he, what he does is he allows certain things to happen that will uh, direct the person that's, that's looking at you. So, if Mr. Derek could be the person that was looking at me during this process. And because the father provided and made things happen because of my obedience to the word, he was, I was able to say no one else could have did this. Nothing we put our hands on could have happened. That was the father. And that was his administering angels protecting us through that whole process. And so that's how I got into full-time entrepreneurship. I was actually, I wouldn't even say pushed. I was drop kicked into entrepreneurship full time, and so, <laughs> so I mean that's where I'm at now, and it's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Not even getting married wasn't the hardest thing, you know. Becoming saved and living, trying to live like the Father teaches us is not wasn't the hardest thing. It was entrepreneurship for me because it took so much. No one's holding you accountable. You have to get up every day. You have to work your schedule. You have to go to the meetings. You have to put things in play. You have to plan. And uh, once you learn principles of business on top of kingdom management, you understand then, because if I just went on the world system 
and went with what the world said as, as pertaining to business, then it would have continued to be uh, would have been a hard thing for me to do. But because now I have having uh, an enlightenment of the kingdom concept, and and I now I realize that I don't own this business. I'm just managing it for the father. And so when I've changed that belief system and mindset, then I was able to uh, plan better, able to execute better. And, uh, and now me and my wife are full-time entrepreneurs, and we're going to keep, keep growing from there. I don't know if y'all can come back. Man, that's awesome. Especially um, being you know, a young black man in America, um, in Memphis at that, because I don't know if people know this, but Memphis is actually compromised of 60, I believe it's 65% of black Americans. However, 90% of the businesses in Memphis are white owned. So to actually be entrepreneur in the uh, city of Memphis, Tennessee is really big. Um, and that's awesome, man. Um, you have anything else, Octavia? I tell you, um, got some questions, boy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I have questions. I, <laughs> I got more questions, but uh, I mean, that's an amazing story, man. Just to hear that, especially as a you know, like Minister Darius said, a black man in America, to hear this stuff because I I think of you know the situations and the mindsets and the strongholds that have people when I was grow where I was growing up at. And, you know, even looking uh, how things still are now uh, for black people uh, while I was growing up, just to hear a story like that in your uh, early 20s is just an amazing testimony and, and amazing inspiration for anyone letting them know no matter what situation you come from or, you know, what you've been through, that you can make something happen for yourself, you know, get just get a, get in line with the Father, learn what he wants for, for you and from you and what's your purpose and, you know, just align things up with him, hard work and dedication, and you can make stuff happen. So it's that's a truly inspirational story. Yes, sir. Most definitely. Um, and the last thing I wanted to bring up, I really – if you don't mind, I'll tell you, I actually want to bring uh, Demetrius in on a, a topic of conversation, if that's okay. Go ahead, ma'am. All right. Um, Demetrius, you can give your input uh, for this last little bit. I think we have like, what, 10, 15 minutes left. Um, one thing that I've been seeing a lot of in religion lately is the, and Octavia and I have talked about it before, but it's practicing principles as far as giving. And I know you teach... We all teach on giving. Um, but one thing that I've been seeing a lot of is people saying that, you know, that money can't, um, I can't put money in the ground and grow it. Because if you look in scripture, they brought livestock, they brought, um, you know, uh, plants, they brought things to to sacrifice. But Nowadays, you know, we don't do that. We have currency, or I should say our currency is uh, like paper money. Um, and we and that doesn't necessarily equate to, um, you know, livestock or vegetation. And so what would you say to those people? Um, yeah, so uh, what I would say, well, I always want to direct them back to the scripture. And so um, we talk about finance all the time uh, pertaining to what the scripture teaches us. 
And I think that a lot of people have to take the lens of religion off before they actually, because you can't have two, two gods inside of you alongside with the father. And so it's and when you got this system of mammoth, this system of uh, the world and the democracy that we, that we live in versus the kingdom, you can, you're not going to be able to mix those things. And so the first thing for someone that's, that's, that's wanting to know more about finance in the kingdom is that you have to first uh, uproot that, that previous belief system. And when you uproot that previous belief system, you have to exchange the thought. And so what are our, pre what are our present thoughts of money? Is it a worldly perspective or is it the kingdom's perspective? And I, Nine times out of 10, because it's a system we have to, most of the times people are doing what the world is saying to do. But we know that the scripture teaches us about finance. The scripture talks more about money than salvation and anything else combined. So he knows that the father knows what exactly what we need, but he's trying to get us to understand you have to trust me and I'll supply all of that, all of the stuff that you need, because the scripture tells us that Tomorrow we'll worry about his own self. Uh, Yeshua was telling his his, uh, his followers, his scholars, that, that tomorrow we'll worry about his own self. But if you worry about things, then you block principles that the word have already established and ordained. You block it because you got your own perception of what money is. But the scripture is trying to tell you, hey, I got everything you need. I own everything around you. The ground that you're talking, you know, you're praying on, on I own that. And so for that person that, that's, that's trying to get the concept of the kingdom pertaining to finance, you got to go back to it and learn the principles of finance. And <clears throat> it all goes back to management. So the person that I'm talking to, if, that, if they have a lifestyle of mismanagement, then you can trace that back to the belief system and trace that back to the original thought and what they perceive money to be. Um, and so uh, with that, the scripture, we. If, as kingdom citizens, we have to make sure that we always go back to the word before we even uh, uh, comment on something. We have to make sure that our belief system is not contaminated so that we won't spill out this false doctrine that the scripture is not teaching us. So when it goes back to finance and, you know, when people most of the time people talk about currency, but I have to think about it in the kingdom concept. The father has placed us on earth. But if you go all the way back to the beginning, when he placed the dome and Hava in the, in the garden, um, he didn't give them a currency. He didn't give them money. He gave them everything they needed. And so I have to think about, you have to really think about the currency of the kingdom. And so uh, we did a teaching on this, uh, but the, one of the currencies of the kingdom, because the kingdom is all about equal access, is time. So everybody has the same 24 hours in a day. So the father's placed us in the earth and gave us equal amounts to that currency. And so that's why people, some people are, are really wealthy. Some people are poor. Some people are impoverished. And those are th the three different mindsets. And the different mindsets pertain to how you utilize the time that the father is giving you. And so even with people that are, um, wealthy they may not they may not be saved or have come into the knowledge of the truth 
but they're working the principles that the father had already established in the beginning. And so because they work in principles, the father exalt his word over anything. And so because that person is is um, working a principle, then the father can honor it. So it's really the currency that we talk about and we should be talking about as far as the kingdom um, is concerned is time. And the currency of the world is money. And, you know, we we need those things to this day because this is the currency of man made. Man made this equal exchange. So money is what we use, the dollar in America. But the kingdom doesn't operate off that. So that's if someone's talking about that, we have to get them back to the kingdom concept before we can even teach them or enlighten them on anything. So that would be my my perspective on that. No, that's real good. I mean, because that's one thing that we do. We we exchange ideas. And um, a lot of it, instead of us being filtered by, uh, you know, in our congregation, so being filtered by the passing down of religion, what we look at is scripture and what scripture is actually saying. And we know that there was principles of, applied before the uh, Mosaic law was given. Um, did you have anything to add, Octavian? Yeah, the... Um... You know, in the world that we live in now, it'd be difficult to even, you know, give to the everyday person um, a conversation like you just had because, you know, they'll, you know, start to saying, oh, you, you're getting too deep, you know, and all this other stuff. But really what it is is what you've just said is something that will crack open or, you know, basically break down that, that belief that they have and really reveal to them and show them that, you know, the way that you're going and the things that you believe in aren't built on any type of solid foundation. Uh, so, you know, but stuff like that is really, really necessary to go back to the original. Let, let's go back to the beginning. It's so many ideas and beliefs and new things that people are coming up with nowadays. And, and it's just like, how about we go back to the original? How about we go back to how things were in the beginning that still stand today, no matter how much people want to, you know, come up with this, or I think this, or I believe that. So that's really powerful what you said. And definitely, guys, guys no, not to give me, uh, give me the mic. You know, I talk all day. DJ know that. <laughs> you have to cut me off. <laughs> no, nah, you good? Cause I mean, the knowledge that you know we have, or that's really been passed down to us, is good to share. Because uh, there are so many people that are so lost without. Like I talk to people, and I see the problems that people have, and I'm like, you know, I really do have something that will help you. But I know uh, some people aren't willing to receive. Even people I've tried to help in the past, I've given them. Uh, I had somebody um, it may have been a year or so ago. I told him he told me what was going on, gave him a solution. He was like, man, it worked. He was like, what you said, it worked. And uh, I gave him a solution to something else, and he didn't agree with it, so he didn't do it. And um, that's just one thing that I've noticed is that people kind of pick and choose or they just deny what it is that you have to give them. I mean, they can see truth right in front of their face, but they um, they deny it. Um, and it's really, it's really a, a choice that they're making. And a lot of times people will make their choice because they – are living in darkness. And that's what uh, Yeshua, when he talked about the light, the light, you know, really is, uh, is knowledge because we know that darkness or ignorance is darkness. And 
we have so many people living in uh, ignorance. And it's very hard to see, especially when it comes to um, the modern day religion, especially when uh, I look at, I guess you would say, like black churches, because you have a lot of people, younger people now who are turned away from the faith because they see they see their parents, their grandparents, how they grew up in church. And they was like, you know, y'all still waiting on, they say Jesus, y'all still uh, giving y'all tithes and stuff like this, but nothing's changing. And they're like, they, they see their parents still going through divorce. They still, they don't see any effects of the word actually happening in believers lives. Um, and a lot of it um, has to do because of religion. And it's really kept and hindered a lot of uh, believers from receiving their inheritance. Yes, I agree. Most definitely. I think that's very important. Uh, religion, this is a, it's a beastly system, especially in Memphis. I don't know about uh, Texas, uh, Octavian. I'm sure it's down there, too. Uh, but did we we live yeah, in Yeah, you know, they got the big mega churches down here. Oh, I'm about yeah. to say, Joe Olstein in Houston, ain't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Just I mean, <laughs> P.D. Jakes is right down here in South Dallas. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the religion, it's probably, it's probably a group of religion. There, but, uh, yeah, it's, 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 that is something huge, especially in, 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 in today's time, because the thing is, like Dr. Larry was teaching us the other day, um, we are in an information overload age. Back then, they had to go buy the cassette tapes and things like that, and they really had to seek out the, the, the truth. And so I know that was very hard just just because of the teaching that he has in the ministry and how powerful the teaching that he has now is a result of him diligently studying. And so today, in today's time, we have information overload. You can go to Google and pretty much type in anything you need to know and it'll pull it up for you. And so with that, plus religion, you get all these different ideologies, these different belief systems, and these different ideas and schools of thought because they're following and allowed something else to take place of the father and the, and the teaching that he has. Because the word that we have now, there's no more, no more word being written. It's been written and, and we should apply those. But see, it's because other people's belief systems and the way they think and the school of thought that they're that they have uh, been pledged to that causes the word to be of none effect. And, and that's one big thing, tradition. Religion and tradition go hand in hand. And so in order for us to get back to what the father is saying, we got to give up all those old belief systems and, and everything that comes with it. You can't pick and choose because I see so many, so many uh, quote unquote Christians uh, and we know Christianity is a religion itself, so you can't really apply the same principles to the kingdom concept. Uh, but anyway, because of that, in those traditions, people don't want to give it up. They'll they'll say uh, one of the biggest arguments: we ain't, we're going to eat on this particular day, is it the Sabbath day? But then they they can't when someone else comes with a kingdom concept and say, hold on, let's go back to the root. You're you're still on a Gregorian calendar. You're not on the Hebrew calendar. And the original, you have to go back to the original because anything else from the original is a copycat or a fake or a false. So if, and when it pertains to religion, because of the school of thoughts that people have come under, it's causing the word to be of none effect. And so you can't pick and choose what you want. You're either going to be in this thing or you're not. You can't be lukewarm and think you're going to walk in kingdom dominionship. 
it doesn't work like that. Because at the end of the day, each one of us has an obligation to the word that we or the school of thought that we've come under. And it's because it, whatever principles that we apply and the things that we do is going to represent who influences us. And so ambassadors, you're talking to ambassadors, if it's something that goes against the school of thought that you've come under, then it's deemed darkness and it shouldn't be, it shouldn't enter in until what you're, what you're doing now. And so that's what religion, religion is this, this huge beast that is, it's just so powerful. But see, the word is more powerful and it, it'll cover up those strongholds that are on the mind that the, that the religion does. And so because it's so fluent around us, that's one of the reasons why we see the things that we see in the churches now. It's becoming a, it's becoming a circus. I don't even want to, when somebody asks me to come to their church, I got to do some research because I just can't, I can't afford to go under a teaching or something to try to waver my belief system. I don't even want to fool with it. Now, I'll, I'll go and talk to somebody and people that want to illuminate because me and my wife was just talking about this last night. Most of the people that we talk to that, ex that accept and receive the kingdom concept are people that have never been in a Christianity religion in the first place. I've talked to an atheist and we can have a simple conversation and, and he can understand what I'm saying because he don't have that religion. That's how powerful religion is. That's definitely true um, that most of the people that you seem to talk to, they'll really grasp this stuff. They really don't have uh, religious backgrounds because even if they're not people who uh, attend church on the regular, but they still have their relig religious background, they'll just pull out some belief that they learned, you know, 12 years ago from the last time they went to church and then tell you like, oh, well, this is actually like this. That's not how it is. Like, how would you know? You haven't been studying nothing. Exactly. <laughs> the thing is, like, we don't. The thing about Christianity is, we're not taking away that Yeshua died for our sins, that He is the Son. We're not taking that away from Christianity. What we're taking away is the stuff that was added and taken away from it. Um, because if you really look at um, how Christianity was formed, because I, I used to hear people all the time say that uh, Christianity was a man-made religion, that it was this and it was that, and it was used to control people. And I, and I, you know, being a Christian then, I used to say, I'd be like, no, nah, y'all don't know what y'all talking about. There's so much more involved in it. And then at, when you actually study, because one thing that the Holy Spirit told me to do was to study history. When you actually study history, you'll see that uh, Christianity was invented and that, you know, they took out some of I, I wish people would get this right here. The Bible is not a book. It's book. It's a book compromised of books. Each one is a book. Barrel Sheet Genesis is one book. And they even took some out, um, some of the in the translations that we have today, because uh, scripture was originally written in Hebrew, not Greek. Um, we'll see that, you know, things were uh, added to help us have an understanding. Things were um, uh, changed. And the thing is, is that Christianity is such a watered down version of what the kingdom message really is. I agree. Yeah. That's definitely true, and the, really the, the saddest part about it is this religion that's got people so comfortable in the darkness at the end, as we know the scripture says, if the uh, light in you is actually darkness, then how great is the darkness? 
you know, people are so comfortable nowadays uh, living the way that they're living from the doctrine that they have that, you know, it's like they're blindfolded, being led down a path of destruction. But, you know, with this belief that they have, it just makes them so comfortable just to keep going the way that they are. So it, it's it's really a horrible thing. And, and one thing me and DJ talks about all the time is just it makes horrible ambassadors for Elohim. It gives them horrible representation that the people that are supposedly out here, you know, um, representing him are people that say, you know, I'm going to heaven, but I can still be out here having, you know, premarital sex. I, I can still go to heaven and I can be out here drunk as a skunk on Saturday night and then church Sunday morning hungover. You know, it, it's 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 tragic that, you know, religion has made Elohim have such, you know, nowhere near holy nowhere near ambassadors that are truly um have integrity like elohim has yeah uh, yeah you're definitely right about that um when it when it pertains like, like you said it pertains to who you represent and so the principles that we apply will have a direct correlation of the person or what influences us and so that means the lifestyle that i live is a representation of who I'm influenced by. So if your lifestyle is opposed to what the scripture is saying, then who is influencing you? And so this is the key concept when we talk about the six stages of conformity. I'm sure you guys, I've been trying to listen to some of the, uh, the previous podcasts to make sure you guys have did that. And I'm pretty sure you have uh, talked about the six stages of conformity. But that is one of the concepts that's going to be in my, my book that I'm, I'm going to be releasing uh, pretty soon if I can finish it up and get it edited, but um, it talks about that that original thought. And so that's the conversation. When we talk about kingdom conversation, that's the conversation we have to have with each other and sit down and not be in this hypocritical state. Because a lot of people already, you know, think you're judging them, when, even though the scripture tells us to, but, uh, and they overlooked that. But when we talk to someone and we're trying to get them to understand and come to a conclusion of, okay, I have been in darkness. I want to receive light. We have to, we have to sit there and this is a continuous, continuous process is go back to the original. So if this is your school of thought, let's trace it all the way back to the original thought that, 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 uh, that you became a, a student of, a scholar of, and if it is against the scripture or against what the kingdom is saying, then it's of darkness. If you call yourself an ambassador, if you call yourself a kingdom citizen, we have to be able to be accountable because we are representing the kingdom and we're representing the king. And so that is going to make sure that our lifestyle stay lined up, make sure our lifestyle stay uh and, and, and inter, intertwined with what the Father has taught us to do is being able to understand I'm influenced by the Father and everything that I do is going to be a reputation of Him. Most definitely. And, um, man, all of this is what people really need to hear. And um, everything that was said here, I really hope somebody listens uh, even, you know, to your story, to our topics of religion and actually, you know, it opens their eyes and they see that they need to change because one thing that I can attest to because I I saw Octavian change. Um, 
is that that's what really needs to take place. And you know that one thing that uh, Yeshua was telling people um, in Scripture, he was telling them to repent. And we know that repent means to change. But I think that's all the time we have, Octavian. Yeah, we uh we over that hour. <laughs> <laughs> I already knew. I knew when you asked me to be on the thing, we were gonna go over an hour. <laughs> Y'all should have known that. No, I'm just messing. I mean, I enjoyed. I still had more questions, but you know, we try to keep time limits and time restraints. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, I count it a privilege and an honor to be able to sit down with like-minded people that's living the lifestyle that that is not opposed to the kingdom. And I really appreciate you guys. I I look up to you guys as well. Uh, just how you don't have a wavering uh, attitude or a wavering lifestyle, but you guys are. You know, this this podcast is a representation of who you guys are influenced by. And and so I appreciate that. We appreciate the kind words. Most definitely. But uh, we have reached the end of another episode. We thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you made it this far, we appreciate the support. Um, and we thank you once again and shalom. Shalom. Shalom.